free men need to be able to protect their families. It's really sad to see people hurt, livelihoods destroyed, even homes destroyed, just to make a political point. Free men take action when churches face heartbreaking attacks. And while cowards stand idle, free men run towards the sound of gunshots when children are in danger. I'm so thankful for free men who stand ready with the tools of liberty. Hey y'all, welcome to Cross Politic on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. It is a Tuesday, it's Valentine's Day. Yes, there's, there's it's, my, it's Valentine's. That's my Valentine's, the Valentine's cupcake. Cupcake from, yeah. from Mama Wrench? We, uh, no, 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 from Mama Proffer. Oh, Mama Proffer. Hey, hey, our producer's mama came in with all these cupcakes yeah. and gave me a sugar headache. Pastor Toby Chuck Knox, I'm the water boy. <laughs> it's good to be with you. And we have David Bonson yeah. I put my glasses on the show on. because we're, we're about to get real because yeah. David, you may not know this, but is a Christian nationalist. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't say that, David. I didn't, I didn't say that. <laughs> uh, nothing says Valentine's like David Bonson. <laughs> actually, well, actually, our, uh, the other thing that you ought to be thinking about on Valentine's Day is our Fight, Laugh, Feast magazine. Um, our Fight, Laugh, Feast magazine mm-hmm. is it's quarterly. And it packs a punch like a 21-year Balvini, no ice. Or Valentine's cupcake. Or, or Valentine's cupcake <laughs> loaded with, with sugar. icing, like six layers of, of icing. Yeah. We don't water down our icing, so why would we water down our theology? I just That's mixed great. up a bunch That's of metaphors great. I there. Love it. Order a yearly subscription today for yourself and then send it to your true love. Who's been drinking lukewarm evangelical Kool-Aid. Every, like, like Joe Biden. <laughs> every <laughs> true love. Every quarter we promise quality food for the soul, wine for the heart, some Red Bull for turning over tables. Our magazine includes cultural commentary, a psalm of the quarter, recipes for feasting, laughter, sprinkled throughout the glossy page. And they're glossy, I mean, mm-hmm. for real. And and more. Sign up today. Uh, they at, actually got to sign up today because in, in March we're delivering the first quarterly issue. Yeah. Ken Ham, Dr. Gordon Wilson, it's Politics of Six Day Creation. It's yep. looking forward to our Fight Laugh Feast conference yep. in October. Does 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 David Bonson get an issue of, of our magazine? Is he, are you do you get our magazine? I do. Oh. Yeah, he's so he once you're an author, he should be getting them all now. Oh, but good. he he wrote he wrote in the first oh, that's uh, right. one of the first seasons good. of it and everything. I was just making sure because yeah. you know I did. Thanks for reading that, Toby. I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> That was oh, no. my favorite article of them all. It was on Christian nationalism. All I remember is you were defending Christian nationalism. The, yeah, that was it. Um, David Bonson is uh, American portfolio manager, uh, author, television commentator, and one of our favorite guests. Say less. On, he, he's been on, on television a lot recently, too. Man. Yeah. Yeah. They love him. More, more than me. <laughs> David, thanks for coming back on Cross Politic. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. As always, love being with you guys. Wish we could do it more. And yes, Gabe, I saw you are a, a budding television star yourself. My best recommendation is stick to radio. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> fair you. enough. A voice for radio and a face for radio. I mean, <laughs> well, we don't know about the voice. But okay, the but at least the face. All right. That, that's that's real brotherly love yeah, right there. Just is. iron sharpening yeah. iron. Just you know the wounds of a friend and Classic all the rest Bonson. of it. Classic You know, I I uh, I told Gabe I wanted him to get get you back on if we could uh, sometime right. soon. When I actually saw you know you you shared uh, I don't know what which my press release basically press release yeah, on yeah. on Gabe's mm-hmm. recent. Um, Victory, mm-hmm. um, the um, 
um, in federal court, um, uh, basically rejecting the city of Moscow's attempt to defend their insanity and in, in mm-hmm. riding roughshod over Gabe and the Bonet's First and Fourth Amendment rights, right. um, protesting yes. the mask mandates, and and you and you shared it, and you said the classical liberal order did right by you, brother. You deserved this vindication, my friend. And of course, you know, grateful for the the kudos and the share and everything. Yeah. But I just thought, you know, um, you, you just you you kind of gave us this loaded tweet, and I and I want I want I wanted I, I said you know we need to unpack this some more. Um, what do you mean by the classical liberal order? How, how did that do right by by Gabe? What did you mean by that? Well, you know, the thing is, is that I really consider you guys friends and I love being on with you. And I believe we're going to co-labor together for the kingdom for decades to come. And yet, I think you guys know what the classical liberal order is, right? Well, I I th- I think we have some ideas, but I also think See, this, I want you to shoot straight with me as to what you're asking because I think it's a very fair question and I'm here to offer any clarifications and whatnot. But if we if the question is why would I say the liberal order in that case did right by Gabe mm-hmm. or is the question what do we mean by liberal order? I think those are two different questions. And I really do believe that what's going on right now, by the way, I wish I didn't have to say the classical liberal order. Mm. I wish I could just say the liberal order. Mm -hmm. But about 100 years ago, it became necessary for us to pretend like we didn't know what the liberal order was anymore. Mm -hmm. And that the word liberal didn't mean free. And that the lefties or progressives or enemies of the gospel and enemies of the liberal order, Mm -hmm. that they got that word. Mm-hmm. So we said, okay, we'll keep classical liberal. We'll 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 allow that to happen. And at some point we started calling it conservative. And this surrender of vocabulary bothers me. But I already mm-hmm. I already know that we operate from the like-minded presuppositions. We operate from a like-minded worldview. And so the question is to what the liberal order is mm-hmm. versus why I think the liberal order did right by Gabe. I just think those are two different questions. Yeah, actually, I would here just for me, because what you just said, what, what, you nailed it for me. When I think liberal, I'm not thinking the same way. I'm so. thinking 1960s, 70s. Like, I'm so influenced by what that liberal order meant or what we meant by the, classical. The what? The 19? 1960s and 70s. Like, 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 like free this, sex? This classical. And drugs. This, this liberal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like. Uh, well, kind of how the Republicans and Democrats were trying to meet in this neutral liberal order where like um, old, I mean, old classical liberals right now are fighting new liberals right now. And so this like, old like gays against groomers. Yeah. yeah. But, but, <laughs> but even feminist against new right. order feminists. Right. You know, so that's I'm heavily influenced. So, by, so when I saw I actually I imported more of my thoughts on liberalism. Then into it from the 60s and 70s, then where you're pointing to, you know, 100 years ago, you know, Edmund Burke and that and that kind of uh, uh, genre. Well, and really, it's Western civilization. Yeah. I mean, what we're talking about with the liberal order 
And we didn't just surrender vocabulary, but we certainly did that. Yeah. And my guess is if we hadn't done that, we wouldn't have to have the conversation. Yeah. Now, your your guy's pastor, Doug Wilson, has written some great stuff on this lately of affirming a belief in the liberal order and classical liberalism as traditionally understood and 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 very much wanting to see it um, fortified around distinctly Christian principles and institutions that undergird it and protect it. Right. So I, there's not even an, uh, an ounce of daylight between me and, and Wilson on this, not mm -hmm. even a little. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, here's the thing. The term liberal today, I recognize as a reference to someone of a left-wing politics. Yeah. And the term conservative is supposed to mean someone of right-wing politics. But then people will say that the Trumpy folks were far right as if like they're more conservative than me when they spend $7 trillion in national debt in four years mm. <laughs> or, or are the most pro LGBT presidency of our lifetime. That's right. Mm. That's yep. right. Yep. So I don't think that's far right. What it's become is a term about temperament that far left means you go try to burn, you act like a French revolutionary right. for Occupy Wall Street, and far right means you act like a French revolutionary for some form of nationalism or populism or, or Trumpism. Mm -hmm. I reject both definitions out of hand. The word liberal is a reference to a free society, and liberalism um, the notion of classical liberalism that we've now adopted as the term for a hundred years has its roots in the very founding principles of Western civilization. Principles that any worldview-minded Christian should be defending with every ounce of breath in their body. Mm. So do you think like this whole conversation around Christian nationalism, to me, it seems like there's a lot of angst there. and that A lot of what there? Angst. Um, angst. You know, teenage angst. <laughs> the, the yeah, I thought you said eggs. <laughs> <laughs> They're all scrambled. That's what those. They're all scrambled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of angst. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, and it, but but I think it's it's coming from people wanting to ground, and I, and I'm I'm coming at this from Canon Plus, uh, Canon Press published uh, Christian Nationalism by Stephen Wolf. And, and yeah. so I think there's I think there's real substance there in the conversation, but I also think the conversation is being driven by a lot of angst of people who are trying to anchor their Christian identity in a nation that has that has gone crazy and has lost its identity. Is that fair? Well, let me ask you a question. If America was not acting the way she is acting right now, would it be better to root our Christian identity in our country? I'm not sure I understand the question. I, I, I think, He's saying that right yeah. now there are um, people that want to root their identity in this country, and yet the country's acting crazy. And what I'm saying is, should Christian identity, which I don't, which I think is a very simple term. I don't, I don't mean. I'm, there's not a trick question. Yeah. yeah. Should our Christian identity be def, um, rooted? In the nation of our national origin, in part, I, in part, yes. Now, you, I, I will be honest with you guys. I meant that rhetorically. I did not mean that to be a hard question. No. Well, and I would, I would say, I would say, <laughs> no. sorry, it's Valentine's yeah, yeah, Day. Yeah, it's hard. I, I would say our nation's identity should be rooted in Christianity, and that's. What, I, I'm asking can, if our identity no, yeah, as yeah, Christians. Can I, can I answer yeah, that? I would say yes in part. 
Yeah, I, I actually would say that not not my primary identity. No, but but part of it because we're rooted in time and space. Yeah. So so the in other words, it's an Obama answer about American exceptionalism. Yes, just like the Greeks are exceptional and the Belgians are exceptional, like they're rooted in time and space too. And so, in other words, the answer is yes for everybody, which means kind of not the same thing, right? Well, I, I mean, I guess I'm not sure if I'm following you, but I mean, I'm thinking of like the end of Revelation, you have all the nations, you know, the kings of the earth bringing the glory of the nations into the new Jerusalem. So, right. So the, the identity, you know, our ultimate identity and allegiance is Christ, obviously. Um, and and when someone says your Christian identity, do you think they mean their your ultimate identity? Right. So that's why I'm saying absolutely not. My Christian identity is marked by baptism, primarily into the Christian faith. Right. And if you my, were born and still to this day living in a different country than America, would that be even a little bit different? No. It would be no, a primarily no, no. Christian, well, but, but I'm not saying. So but, your Christian identity is not rooted in my national in your na national origin. But, Correct. Not, but anything to do with soteriology. Well, yeah. I mean, if if you mean, but I guess that seems a little bit simplistic, though. I mean, I, I I agree that in terms of getting to heaven, justification has nothing to do with nation. Any anything yeah. on our part, it's God's grace, the righteousness of Jesus alone. But then we're we're saved as embodied creatures we're, we're saved um as a white person as in, a black in person, time and yeah. space and so as am i a christian do you just mean in terms of justification like getting yeah. to heaven or do you mean um what am i what is god bringing to heaven god is not just but I, bringing in, my in fairness, soul. In fairness pa pastor toby i didn't use the term gabe said christian identity yeah and so the, I don't think I'm talking about justification or any salvitic or soteriological context. I'm saying that the term Christian identity has a very, you said it's simplistic because I think it is simple. Our Christian identity is us as creatures with an eternal destiny rooted by creation in a plan God has for our life. Right. And there are some of us who are born in America and may leave America. Mm -hmm. And when we leave America, our Christian identity doesn't change. Right. Agreed. And some of us may be born in another country and stay in another country, and they have an identity in Christ mm -hmm. that isn't different than mine, And even though they're in one country, I'm in another. So you're, the point you're making that I know, you're, I know what you mean, like th that's the whole thing that really frustrates me about the conversation at large, not with you guys. Not with my brothers, okay. but with people who I don't think are operating in good faith, is most people know exactly what the confusion is over and what the disagreement is in the rhetoric being used. There is a purposeful equivocation when someone is saying Christian nationalist as a context of where somebody lives versus what the term clearly means, your Christian identity as to how you are rooted to the Christ who saves, and us all believing that is completely irrespective of either national origin sure. or national um, domicile, where we were born or where we choose to live later. So, so then, David, can I ask the question then? Because I, I, I totally, when Gabe asked the question, I was like, there is a split there. I, I, I actually agree with you on that. But then as the liberal order in America and the nation is itself Christian, and if it is, 
What's wrong with wanting a Christian identity for a nation? Nothing. Right. Well, the only thing that would be wrong is if you don't want every nation to be Christian. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Amen. Preach, preacher. Kuiper. So then, so then David, here's my question. But, but, but see, brother, this is, this is the heart of the matter. I want America to be a Christian nation so badly that I refuse to pollute the conversation. That's I agree with you, but that, so I, that's what my can, question is. Can, so, but, then what's the difference then between yeah. what you see as Christian nationalism? Because I have my just so you know, my cards on the table. I have some problems with it. I personally think Christian nationalism is kind of where Christianity goes to die. Right, that's kind of my my thoughts on it because the nationalism part is going to eat up the Christian part. We've kind of known that from history if you pay attention to it, right? Um, so Christian na- nationalism comes in after you've kind of eroded Christianity. So that's just kind of my cards on the table. And I'm watching the whole game and I see the plays that are happening. So I, just, just, just so you know, but my question to you is what is it that you see can't from Christian nationalism that's problematic with the Christian nation that is America? Well, again, it, the vocabulary is important and there is no question that one can say, I want to see the Christianization of America and define it as its institutions being broadly submissive to the authority of Christ. And that submissiveness uh, and the, to the lordship of Christ coming without any semblance of coercion. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 We're, and amen. so I, like I have a non-statist view and aspiration for the Great Commission, yep. a non-statist view of the cultural mandate, and be, I'm with Toby here. I live in a time and place. There's a context in history. Mm-hmm. And as a person who lives in America, who, by the way, has a particular and exceptionalistic fondness for America, believing in the principles of the Declaration and believing in much of the heritage, recognizing the national sins that stain us, yep. and believing that the things that were right about America fixed some of those things that were wrong about America. Mm -hmm. And I have a path for what I would love to see America be with no biblical certainty that what I hope for about America is God's plan for America. There's no identity for America as a predetermined part of God's redemptive plan. But luckily my identity is in Christ, so I don't have to worry about that. (laughs) There we are. But I care very much about America being a Christian nation. And if I lived in Mexico and with the doctrine of moral proximity, I would want very much for Mexico right. to be a Christian nation because right. obviously all of us are on the same page. Yeah, right. yeah. So we want to baptize and make disciples of all the nations, plural. Especially yeah. those children after they become. Amen. <laughs> um, is is there, um, maybe this is a question for either of you. Okay. <laughs> maybe I'm interviewing you too. Oh, no. Um, Yoram Hazani has written the book, The Virtue of Nationalism. Yeah. Is there any virtue in you said nationalism is where na- nations yeah, go to die? From, from what I've and been, I'm I'm curious if that's I'm 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 fully aware of all kinds of nationalisms that are just cancerous and and toxic. Okay, we we know that, but is nationalism always cancerous and toxic? Are the, is there any virtue in nationalism? David, you want to go first. Well, I I want you, Toby, because I want to be so completely gracious and and hospitable. I want you to tell me what you're defining nationalism as, because I don't want to answer a question you're not asking. Right. Well, I think some would make it almost synonymous with what is called patriotism, 
Um, C.S. Lewis describes the love of one's nation, one's country, yeah. very beautifully in Four Loves. That would be. Yeah. Um, I, I'm thinking of that. I'm also thinking of. Okay, but hold on, hold on real quick. Let's start. Do okay. you mind if I interrupt? Sure, go for this it. This is a great distinction because if I believed nationalism equals patriotism, then everything changes. Right. Be, because um, my views of patriotism are different than my views of nationalism. And if I was, when I was talking about nationalism, really talking about patriotism, then it would totally change the vocabulary, tenor, and philosophical underpinnings of the conversation. But because as a basic law of identity, demanding fidelity to English vocabulary, nationalism is not patriotism. They are not the same word, and they don't mean the same thing. Okay. And so if that's what we meant was a definition of nationalism that we're redefining as patriotism, everything is different. But I am not defining nationalism as patriotism. Okay. Um, well, so there's one. Sec and okay. second way, the, the way that Stephen Wolf defines it is a, is a nation knowing that it's a nation and acting for itself for its good before God. So it's, a, it's, a, it's knowing that you belong to a people and then acting for your own good in accordance with God's law. What's wrong with that definition? Well, do I believe that all nations should act for their own good in accordance with God's law? I do. Now, of course, back to this uh, trickery of President Obama with his uh, cutesy answer about American exceptionalism. Do you know why I would not say um, America is exceptional the same way the Greeks are and the Belgians are or whatever it was he said? Do you remember, by the way, what I'm talking yeah, about? I do. Yeah, I do. It was a that. way of saying he doesn't believe in American exceptionalism okay. because if every country is exceptional, then yeah, no country is right. exceptional. Yep. Right. Yep. And I believe in American exceptionalism because I actually do think there's something better about America than Greece mm. and Belgium right. and a whole lot of other countries, Somalia, for example. Mm -hmm. You go, how could you say that? Uh, obviously, I'm not going to a racial or ethnic place. So what am I referring to? I'm referring to an idea. I define America as a country birthed out of an idea or a series of ideas in revolution from England that had become tyrannical, that was birthed in certain commitments embodied in our founding documents, first the declaration that stated our independence, and then the constitution that provided a rule of government thereafter. And so there's exceptionalism in that. But if what we mean is that definition of nationalism, that we want a nation that is um, acting for its own good and doing so the glory of God, my answer would be the same Matthew answer from Great Commission. I would want that for every country. Okay. So, but, but do but, we believe that the country, it, that there is a particular Christian identity in America's history that needs to be preserved, Christian values that need to be rediscovered? Um, I think that one could be totally averse to the word nationalism and believe all of that. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, and so that therefore we one has to ask, what is the controversy over if all we mean by nationalism is that we want a Christian nation? Mm -hmm. Well, I've got thoughts on that, but let me let me throw one more quote at you, just just as for fun. I came across this. I'm a, I told the guys yesterday I'm on a I'm on a John Buchan kick. I don't know if you've ever read John Buchan. Um, he's, I am not. He's, he's the Scottish Presbyterian 
Godfather. Oh, that explains it. I don't read Presbyterians. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 of the, well, he, he died in like 1935. Um, so he, he was the son of a Scottish Presbyterian pastor. Um, and he, but he's known for, for being the godfather of this, the spy thriller novel. He wrote like spy thriller novels based on World War One. Ian Fleming, James Bond, you know, sort of based on that. But he's this Scottish Presbyterian and a member of Parliament also for a time. Um, wrote like 34 volumes on World War One um, for for uh, British press, um, and then ended his career as the um, Governor General of Canada, the the Royal Representative of Canada. Died um, in Canada in 1935. He has this quote where he actually just makes a distinction. I, I just I was I'm listening to a biography of him right now and came across this, and I thought I'm going to save this for David Bonson. Um, and uh, it said he said I believe as firmly as ever that a sane nationalism is necessary for all true peace and prosperity. So he, he sort of, you know, denotes a sane nationalism is necessary for all true peace and prosperity. But I am equally clear that an artificial nationalism, which manifests itself in barren separatism and the manufacture of artificial difference makes for neither peace nor prosperity. Hmm. I, I, I thought that was a relatively intelligent take, but He's at least granting the um, the possibility of a sane nationalism and saying even that's necessary for true peace, but also recognizes that there is such a thing as an artificial nationalism, which is full of barren separatism and artificial differences, which is going to cause all kinds of havoc. Um, right. Could you go in for some kind of distinction like that? Yeah, you know what's interesting there is that when it isn't including the word Christian, you're talking about nationalism. Nationalism is more specific than patriotism. and Christian nationalism is more specific than nationalism. And my friend Rich Lowry, who's the editor of National Review, has been there in that position since Bill Buckley died 15 years ago, and is one of the most thoughtful conservatives in the country. And he wrote a book in defense of nationalism um, in the last several years. And, and to me, the whole book was essentially a semantics argument for patriotism, right? And when you talk about... Um, a nationalist that you have to define who's in the nation and that with the Christian nationalism debate. Now we have to start defining who is part of the Christian nation. Does it include the people in the nation who are not Christians? And the, the, the definition that you provided a moment ago in this vision of a Christian nation I have allows for people to be part of the nation that um, are not yet Christianized and therefore give a real burden to those of us in the church yeah. to evangelize, yeah. to evangelize institutions, to evangelize people, families, households, um, all of this sort of cultural transformation we believe in. And yet we do so to the people as part of the nation, not as outsiders looking in. And that becomes a sort of sphere sovereignty distinction. And that's where I'd rather hear this author you're quoting. I'd like to unpack better, um, if, if I'm comfortable with those semantics or not, around the sphere sovereignty of church and state. Yeah. Because I believe that there is a right to excommunicate someone out of the church who is an unbeliever. Yep. Mm, and in yep. the domain of the state, I don't believe there is a right to execute, uh, excuse me, excommunicate uh, well, some might say execute too, <laughs> out of the country, uh -huh. um, a person who's an unbeliever. And that sphere sovereignty and category distinction is so important to a real mm. fruitful conversation. Is, is your concern, is your overarching concern with Christian nationalism that it sounds coercive? 
Honestly, it is not my primary concern. Okay. Um, I don't. I think it sounds much more incoherent than it sounds coercive. Okay, hold okay. on, David. I, okay. I want to ask you. Got ten more minutes to hang around, or do you got to run? I'm I'm fine. I've oh, devoted man. this time to you. Oh, I can't. If wait. we're going to literally solve the future of the nation, we then we need to take the time we're going to. You know what? <laughs> uh, we're going to do it in the backstage. <laughs> so if you're single, get married. If you're married, have you some kids. If you have kids, go baptize them. Until tomorrow, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. We'll meet you in the backstage with David Bonson. Maybe you should have baptized the nations somewhere oh, in there. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah nations. With a Z? <laughs> <laughs> with lots of Zs. Hey, David. Home. It's where you build your legacy. Where traditions are started, seeds are planted, meals are shared, and stories are told. We are Chris and Natalie Carpenter, owners of Story Real Estate, and our team of top agents helps people find homes in Moscow, Idaho, and around the country. Have you thought about a move? Contact us to get connected with a top agent who shares your values and puts your family first. Or reach out to us about our Moscow Relocation Guide. Wherever you're looking to go, we can help you find home. Call us at Story Real Estate or visit us at storyrealestate.com and start building your legacy. Putting off writing that proposal again? Yeah, we've been there. Proposal writing can be tough. It takes work, and if you're not careful, you can set up your company for failure. Well, that's where we come in. Smart Pricing Table is an innovative application that focuses on, well, the pricing table. Instead of a static document and constant back and forth, our platform creates interactive proposals that empower your prospects. Not sure if something is needed? Make it optional. Have complicated services that vary? Let your customer do the work with line item upsells. Have reoccurring services? Easy peasy. With Smart Pricing Table, you can create attractive proposals quickly. And our system is built for reuse, so you can get out of that hamster wheel. Give your customers choice and close deals quickly with Smart Pricing Table.